We're going to do part two of what we did last week. So here's a question. What did we do last week? Sorry, somebody said something. I can't quite... A bit of that, yes, a little bit of that. We did some of that. That was good. A little. I'm not test. There's no tests. There's no, you know, well, not much. But, um, but yeah, there we were. We did tune in into the voice of God. For those I completely forgotten that, that's okay. Um, because we're doing a bit more of it today. Um, and uh, we'll carry on. My name's Christian. For those, if I, I don't even know if I said that. And I pastor the church with my wife, who's ill right now, sadly. But hello, my wife and my daughter who are watching online right now. And uh, we hope that you get better soon. So, let's have a recap very quickly. We did 1 Kings 19, if you remember. Oh, hello to everyone else, not just my wife and my daughter. It's a bit selfish, isn't it? <laughs> it's not just my wife and daughter out watching, I hope. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we did 1 Kings 19. And uh, basically, what happened was, um, for those who don't know the story, Elijah has run off. He's done this major work of God, but he's then run off, and he's hiding away in a cave. And then God speaks into the stillness. God speaks into the gentle silence, it says in the Hebrew. Um, and it's, it's the whisper of God. So we're turning our attention this week to the practical part, the how-to tune-in. So we walked, I looked a lot about who God was last time as the, the good shepherd and making sure we're tuning in to that. But, um, but this is the how-to. This is the practical. So you're getting excited for this already. I look, I'm look, I liking the look of this there. So we're going to do this with an illustration with a bit of a game, which is why my son's still in the... the, the, the uh, my youngest, anyway, is still in this um, service for now before he goes to youth. So you're ready for this, right then. And Sekai will need you. So one, sorry, well, that one candle down there, it's all right, it doesn't matter, actually. They, can, they don't have to be any, they, 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 there was no, as you can see, this wasn't, um, we can do anything we want as long as it's not going over the music stuff. Right, okay. So this is the game. You ready? Seko is going to come up and he is going to read, uh, what is it, Exodus? Exodus chapter 2, you might already have realized it, I don't know. Anyway, Exodus 2, and as he does that, um, the, your job is to pick up as many Freddos as you can in your hand, and, and other things that you might like to look off, in your hand, all right? As many as you get to keep, as many as you get in your hands, it's got to be hand, not your pockets, as many as you get in your hands, you get to keep. Yay! That's good, isn't it? Yeah. And if you can do it really, really well at the end, there's a chocolate bar at the end, because you have to repeat what he says at the end as well. So it's a bit of multitasking. Don't worry about it if you can't remember any of it. It's, uh, we'll see how it goes. All right? Are we ready? So you come, well, you just come up to this bit for the time being, because I would start there. If I were you. I'm going to try and get out of the way of this. So Seko's going to do what he does. Don't start just yet. I'll do a three, two, one, and we'll see how it Oh, this is fun, isn't it? Are you having a good time? I'm, I'm loving this. Right then. Okay, three. Two, one, and go. Now a man from the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child. Okay, that's it. That's what you need to do. There's Off you one go. More here, though. Sorry? There's one more. Oh, right, so keep going then. Sorry, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get to keep them all in your hand? I struggled last night in the shops. I couldn't do it. Right, okay. So, uh, you must have bigger hands than me. Now, moving swiftly on, uh, can you repeat what he just said, please, into the microphone, nice and clear. Off you go. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, you can see, you've got to keep the chocolate at least. So, we have zero to beat. We're going to do it all over again. Dean's now going to come up. This time, however, you don't have to any chocolate at all to collect. All you get to do is listen this time. 
So, um, so if you could come up and just listen. You've got a chair here if you want to sit down. It's up to you. You can make it there. All right, so obviously it'd be cheating if he went for exactly the same. Don't look over his shoulder. Okay, look at this. Have you not? Okay. So he's going to read a little bit of a different bit of the Bible. You've got zero to beat. Um, two verses, Sacco, just two verses. Off you go. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, the father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Herod, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared in him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Just zero to be. Now Moses was attending the flock. The bush was on fire. God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give him a round of applause. You get the bar of chocolate. Well done. Thank you for everyone okay. partaking there. That's good. You can go to youth now, by the way, if you want. <laughs> Watch your feet. Okay. Well done. Well done. Well done. Okay. So thank you for that. Um, we're going to read um, from the Bible. It'd be grateful if you've just come to church for the first time here. It's not just what we do, that stuff. But um, have a, a listen to this. So this is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset about all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. You might see the link with the game, you might not, I don't know. But if you don't, then I hope you have some good fun. Um, we have a story here where Jesus is leading a connect group, all right? Uh, it's um, Mary's and Martha's house. And Martha's had a super busy day at this particular point, And then she has to get the house sorted for connect group later on because she's got a really important person leading connect group. Um, so she's ticking off all the jobs that need to be sorted out at this point, all right? So she's doing the cooking, she's doing the ironing, she's doing the cleaning, she's getting people's shoes off at the door, that's an important job for some people. Um, are the curtains nice? Are they looking good? You know, these are, these are important things. Um, teas, coffees, she's rushing around in and out of the living room and she's getting it as, as good as it can possibly be. And she's hearing bits of what Jesus is saying. She's in and out, again and again, yeah? But she's getting little bits. Every now and again, she's exposed to bits of his word. But she's heavily distracted by all the other things that are going on. And she's not hearing that much. She's paying far more attention to the demands of others than the job and the jobs that are shouting quite loudly at her than that of Jesus' words, okay? Now, Mary, on the, other hand, on the other hand, sat here in this story at Jesus' feet. Mary was still. Mary did nothing else but listen to Jesus. That was it. That was the one thing she chose to do. She didn't rush. She didn't multitask. She didn't think about all the other stuff that needed doing. Mary silent, silenced the distractions and she gave Jesus her undivided attention. 
And Mary heard. She fully caught what Jesus was saying. She prioritized listening to Jesus over every single other demand. And so her life was impacted because of that. Does this scenario that I'm about to read out sound familiar to some of you at least? You get up and it's a full day straight away. You know it's crammed full of activity. Yep. You get, and this is the day. You know you've got a lot of jobs that need doing. So you have to make the most of every single moment. You have to make the moment count for everything that you do. So everything can easily become reduced to a, a tick list of jobs that I've got to get through before the end of the day. All right, is it, is that, it may make sense. So it, it therefore also becomes, um, even your devotional life becomes a tick list sometimes. We can pray, done that, tick. I've read the Bible, tick. So that's out of the way with as well. And, you know, we've been exposed to God's word, so surely that's enough. Yes, we can get into that mindset quite easily that actually I'm doing the stuff I'm supposed to do. Um, but my, my question is, have we been fully impacted by his word? If we're into tick list mentality, have we paused? Have we stilled our souls to be impacted by his word? Or have we just ticked it off and said, well, I've done that. Now what's the next thing on the list? Are we doing the one thing that is needed? I find that verse amazing. Jesus says that Mary did the one thing that was needed. The one thing. That was required. Now, there's loads of things that are needed, aren't there? Really? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to have an argument with Jesus at this point. Surely there are a lot of things. What's he talking about when he mentions this verse? When it, that bit there, there's one thing needed. And I find it a fascinating verse. But is it that as we prioritize listening to Jesus, is it that as we put that listening ear, inclining our ear to Jesus first, putting him in that place there where we're doing that above all else, that every other task that we've got to do falls into place. That every other task of the day falls into the right perspective. That it's no longer an overwhelming and heavy day, but actually we can do it quite manageably. We can do it with a lightness in our spirits. We can walk in the day at the right pace. If we still our souls and listen to Jesus, then the things that come at us again and again, relentlessly sometimes, can be very, very easily managed because we've already got the first thing, the first thing. Amen? Yeah, we've got listening to Jesus first, where we're no longer trying to keep all the plates spinning, but we can gently walk with Jesus and deal with everything as we're led by the hand of God. One thing is needed. We walk, we don't rush, and we take on life fueled by Jesus' life, by his presence. Listening to Jesus can change our day. Listening to Jesus can change our whole life because that's the words of God coming directly into our soul. Mary does it here, and just by those few verses shows us a couple of keys on how. But those keys throw all the way through Scripture. And they're not all going to fly up on, on the screen right now. But we do get very similar keys all the way through the Bible. Samuel, the prophet, when he was a child, he first hears God as he's lying down in bed, alone with God. Yep, he's just lying down, doing nothing other than lying down. 
Peter has his vision in Acts chapter 10 as he's alone on a roof. Or sitting, he's either sitting or lying. You have to do one of the two if you're going to fall into a trance, I think. Um, Jesus would get up early every day to be alone with the Father. Yeah, they're making purposeful places where they are just spending those times with God. The author of Psalm 46 tells us to be still and know that I am God. It seems quite a big key in all of this to still our souls, to still our souls in the massive distractions and the massive amount of um, the, the, the rush of the current day. In all of these instances, the people involved got alone with God. They stilled their active minds, they focused on God, and they allowed him to speak into their lives. And it's not easy, but it's key. But when life is so busy, when life is so absolutely relentlessly busy, when on earth are you going to find the time to be with God and still your soul? That would be a fair question right now, I think, if you're listening to me. Feeling a bit condemned, maybe. I don't do that, Christine. <laughs> yeah, but life's really busy. You don't understand how busy. It's very easy. You're a pastor. You do nothing but pray all day. That's all you do. <laughs> yeah, right. But <laughs> if life is relentlessly busy all the time, then how on earth does Jesus expect us to make the first thing the first thing? Because we are being bombarded all the time, every single day, with demands, with loud voices. If you've got children, you'll know that's even louder. It, it really can go like that. That's life, is it not? Yes. So, yeah, Jesus speaks. The one thing is needed. Prioritize the one thing. There are a surprising number of little times of solitude times alone that we get moments of solitude. I'll call them moments of solitude throughout the day. Just little moments. And you'd be surprised at how many times that those moments happen. This, however, is the first thing when we're in a moment of solitude that a lot of us will go to. Now, some of you who are, are not of, you know, a little bit of an older generation possibly don't, Julian, you're having an absolute blast at this time, are you going, I don't go to my mobile phone. This, okay, <laughs> but this is surprising. If you've got certain software on your phone, it will tell you how many hours you spent every day on it. That is a shocking amount sometimes for some people, okay? So, mine would flash up a few years back. I don't, I, I'm not on it as much now. I don't, I can't brag about it. It's for different reasons than uh, holy reasons, but... Um, but it would say about two hours a day. Two hours. Two hours a day. I thought it was all right, actually. Two hours a day, that's not too bad on my mobile device. Now, the point I'm trying to raise here is that we are given different moments of solitude in the day. When you're driving your car, when you're on the train, when you're out for a walk, when you are doing something which you are just find yourself completely and unexpectedly sometimes away from other people. It's what I would call a moment of solitude, a moment where God has got an opportunity to crash into your life, a moment where you can, as long as you keep that in your pocket and you give him the chance, as long as we try to make sure 
that instead of going straight to the mobile devices or any other distraction, wherever your favorite one is, there are so many moments in our lives when those little tiny pockets of solitude pop in. And those are the times to just turn our ears to Jesus, still our souls, and let him speak. It usually happens to me, weirdly enough, either on a walk or when I'm um, putting the shopping trolley back, having done a big shop. But Angie will say to me, Can, so I've done the shop, the big shop with Angie, big shop, big shop, but done the big shot with hands, and then she'll say, go to, could you just pop the, the, the trolley back? So that moment of going to the, the trolley park, get me pound back, <laughs> all right? All of a sudden, I find God starts speaking to me because Im immediately, it's been the first time I've been on my own for hours. Yeah, it's a pocket of solitude, but immediately, for some reason, God I really start tuning into God there. I'm like, oh, that God started speaking to me. Notice those moments. Don't look for any possible way of distracting ourselves. I, when I was growing up, I used to be bored all the time. I remember my granddad saying to me, you'd be bored in heaven, you would be. But I would just get bored at a moment's notice. You know what I mean? There'd be nothing, nothing to do, and I'd get bored. I've noticed now that people don't get bored very easily because they've just got so many other things to distract themselves away from boredom. But... Um, but you're getting bored, start listening to Jesus. You won't be bored very long. <laughs> He's got the best things to put into our lives. Amen? That's, you know, that's the way it is. So I know it's busy. I know, honestly, I know it's busy. But at the same time, there are moments every single one of us have where we have silence, where we have those moments where there is just nobody around and we can just get to listen to him. Just for a brief moment, that's all it is. Even if it's in the bathroom, even if you're running away from everybody else and going to the bathroom, just get some peace. <laughs> um, but it's there. We can be more peaceful. We can be more present. We can be more attentive to the whisper of God. If God is whispering, then it, it's a case of getting away from that noise and enjoying those little moments um, where we can give him our undivided attention. All right? I'm not, I'm not having a go at you. I do it myself. This is just, it's, it's, one, of the, it's one of the things I've noticed um, within it all. I used to, as I say, I used to spend two hours um, and um, through a medical condition, I can't now, which probably may help me hear God a lot more. Um, but there we are. I had, um, walks are great for me. I, you find, find moments where you can just do it. I was, um, had an issue this week which was really weighing heavy on me. And in the end, I thought, the only thing I can do is just go for a walk and talk to God about it. And as I did, I heard him just speak into it, speak into the issue, and, my, and the weight just lifted. Because that's what the voice of God does. Yeah? He just imparts peace into our souls. He imparts rest into our souls. And so I got the, the issue that I was dealing with, I got it from his perspective. And that's a lot easier, isn't it? All of a sudden, you can see how God's wanting to deal with things. And that's really what he wants to do for each and every one of us. He wants to show you the situation you're in right now through his eyes. And the more we get his perspective on it, the less we worry about stuff. Because we start to see how God's moving in it. We start to see how God's changing things. Um, there's, a lot to, there's a lot to go through. I'm not going to have the time to do here. There's um, a surprising amount that happens on the road to Emmaus, actually. We'll go into that, Luke 24, very briefly. 
Um, so we've got two disciples, if you don't know the story of the road to Emmaus, this is on uh, the resurrection, just after the resurrection. Uh, so Jesus is raised from the dead and um, Luke 24, uh, in Luke 24. Um, and then you've got two disciples uh, that are walking away from Jerusalem to Emmaus. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, and the end of their journey, at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on. So, sorry, for those of let's just re- re- recap. Jesus has been walking with these two disciples all the way through. So for seven miles, Jesus has been having a, a good natter with these two disciples. And they don't have a clue who he is. They're just talking with him at the moment, but, uh, but they did know. Um, but they begged him, stay the night with us, seeing as it's getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he taught with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Jesus walked with these guys for seven miles and did nearly all of the talking. And yet these guys didn't know it was the voice of God. They didn't know it was Jesus. Now, I like maths, so I think that was about three and a half hours, but I might be wrong, so we'll let, we, it depends on what, what's going on with this. You know, it depends on how, how fit they are. It may have been less. But it's still a long time of walking with somebody and not recognizing their voice, whatever you think. Yeah? It doesn't say they were on a, 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 a jog. It said they were walking. So he, they were listening to Jesus speak for three, three and a half hours, something like that, and they didn't recognize it. They were hearing somebody that they were fully aware who they were, uh, fully aware all the way through his as they were his disciples, that they knew who he was. They knew who he was very well, and yet they didn't recognize this voice at this moment. Fascinating, isn't it? How many times does God speak and we don't recognize him? How many times does God speak to us and we're not fully aware that it's him that's actually doing the talking? We just say, oh, that's just one of my thoughts. That's just me. I just thought that. I didn't really. Because a lot of the time we hear him through our thoughts. You know? It's not normally a big, booming voice. And that's why we talk about the whispering voice today. Because really, it'll be in your thoughts that you'll hear him more clearly than anywhere else. So how many times do we discount that we've listened to God? How many times is it like, well, that's just what I just think like? And all the way through, all the way through, they're going, well, this is really bad. They're in despair, and I think that's it. I I would say perhaps they didn't hear him because they didn't expect to. They have just seen him crucified. You don't normally expect to see somebody straight after that. So they're deep in grief. They're deep, their mind's totally preoccupied with something else. Have you ever been so focused on a problem that it's all you can think about? Yeah, that it just completely bombards you every single moment of the day? Well, that's pretty much where they were there. Jesus was walking with them in the midst of their problems. He was walking with them in the midst of all of their issues and their moments of despair and their moment of disappointment. He was there with them at that time, and they listened to him, and they still didn't recognize him for ages. But the time they invited him in and sat with him, that was the moment their eyes were opened. And I think that's fascinating, that phrase, their eyes were opened. It appears to suggest that the Holy Spirit had a big part to play in all of that. That it was a supernatural opening of 
the disciples' ears. We cannot expect to live the Christian walk without the Holy Spirit opening our ears to listen to his voice. God wants to be heard. He sent Jesus to die on a cross. Jesus went to a cross. He loves us so much. He went on a cross. He died on a cross that we could have relationship with him. Relationship is part of us is listening to him. Jesus wants to be heard. He wants us to express his heart to us. He wants to express his love for us. He wants to express how much he cares for each and every single one of us. Yeah? And so he's passionately, passionately trying to make his voice heard. And part of that is the Holy Spirit just opening our ears to listening to him speak. And there's a massive, massive part of the, the, the keys there, really. Do you know, you can all hear the voice of God. If you sat there and you've never experienced it yet, that's fine, or you've never knowingly experienced it, we can all experience the voice of God. It's accessible to every single one of us, all right? A small voice, I keep coming back to it, a whisper, as loud as our thoughts, yet different. It's interestingly, I've seen it in children a lot more than I've seen it in adults sometimes. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Children seem to have a, a different relationship there. Um, than adults. Over lockdown, I was leading, I was helping lead the youth group, and uh, we did Zoom every Friday night. I bet people hate Zoom these days, but uh, we did Zoom. And um, so my youngest, who just came up on the stage then, he shared a story. We did this thing every Friday night where we said, um, who's had a prayer answered? Uh, does anyone share prayers where they've, where they've seen God move? And my youngest had lost a toy. This is the kind of issues that the, the, the children are bothered about. My youngest had lost a toy, so we prayed that God would show him where it is. Now, God's bothered about absolutely everything. He's not only dealing with the big issues, but he's also dealing with the small ones. And funnily enough, within a couple of minutes, God showed him where his toy was, which was in the laundry basket for some reason. No idea how it ended up there. We'll just bypass that for the time being. But that's what the situation was. He was very impressed. He found it. I don't know how, how him, you know, he shared it on this Zoom call. So this week, God showed me that my toy was in the laundry basket, and I'd lost it for ages, and I'm very happy. Well, it, can't, it shows how often we do the washing, doesn't it, if, we, if it was ages. We'll say, sorry, sorry, Andy. We'll say, uh, we'll say it was a day. Um, so anyway, it was in the laundry basket. Um, and so, so that's great. So anyway, so it's got a Zoom call. You can see all the, all the little faces. Um, and this one lad, um, Samuel Rushton, he just goes, you, you could see him react to, the, to this like, testimony, um, and shot off, and then came back, and he goes, I just prayed, and I found this, whatever it was. I can't remember what he'd lost, but I just found this, whatever, this thing that I'd lost from two weeks ago. And I was like, this is amazing. I mean, this guy just like, he just heard one testimony and gone, right, that's fantastic. God wants to speak to me. God, I, can, I can do this. I can listen to God. It wasn't an issue. He at least may listen to God. So he goes, right, brilliant. Well, I'll, I'll listen to God as well. You see, you see what's going on? God's talking to all of us all the time. You just have to ask. And if he can do it with 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, guess what? He can do it with you as well. Yes. We're not talking about these are very special people. Everyone, he wants to talk to everyone, all right? Not just about where things have got lost as well. Although those are good things, because God knows where they are, all right? So if you lose your car keys, then do ask, because he's fully aware, all right? That's just a helpful thing. Um, but yeah, moving on. Um, I've shared this story before. Ooh, time. 
Uh, right, we'll go for it. Um, Romans 12 says, um, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, give your lives as living sacrifices. Okay? Surrender your life. Offer your lives as living sacrifices. And then you will, and then I'm paraphrasing it a little bit here. Verse 2 then says, then you will know God's perfect will for your life. Okay? Massive paraphrase. You'll have to look it up later. But it's, it comes in two. So surrender to God, and then you will get to know his will for your life. You will hear him better. There's some massive connection with his lordship over our lives and how much we hear. That makes sense? It's almost like we create this pathway, this kind of almost landing area for God to start ministering and pouring in what he wants to speak to us about. Um, and I've shared the story before. Um, we'll briefly do it now. Um, in my late 20s, people were telling me that they thought I would be a pastor of a church. I would be going, absolutely not a chance. Well, actually, I would go, oh, that's really nice. Thank you very much. And inside, I go, not a chance. I'm never doing that, ever. And, and that happened all the way through, 30s and my 40s. People would say it, with, and I would just say, that, that's not what I see. Um, I didn't realize it was quite subconscious, this, that I was saying no in my heart because I knew that there was a massive uh, thing, which um, if I did say yes to being a pastor, there was a good chance that someone in my family would never speak to me again. So I didn't want to hear it. Shall we say that? I didn't want to hear that because of the, the, the sacrifice of, of the, of the, of, of, of um, it wasn't my wife, by the way. Uh, um, she's fine with it. Um, but, um, but yes, it, there was someone in, in my family, and I was just like, this is the end, it, it, or it's potentially the end. And I had to come to a place where I said, right, whatever you want, God, whatever your decision is, whatever you want for my life, regardless of however much it's going to cost me, I'll do it. And as soon as I, got my, as soon as I, I came to that place, um, I felt God speak to me very, very clearly again and again and again on this. That makes sense? Lordship is crucial. So, I mean, I'm not saying you should all ask God whether you should be pastors. What I am saying is, what are the areas in our lives where we can say, God, speak to me about anything? And if it's going to cost me, it's going to cost me. If it's going to mean that I'm going to have to give up more time, or if it means that I'm going to have to do something different, if it means that I'm going to have to pull away from something, whatever it's going to cost me, I will do if it means that your name is glorified, if it means that you get your will with my life. Does that make sense? Yep. It's, it's, a, it's a biggie, but it's an important one because God wants to move in our lives, and I've seen people that don't let him. I've seen people that allow themselves to walk in, fall into certain lifestyles, and, and I go, well, you never thought that that lifestyle was appropriate until now. And now you're all right with it. Has God not spoken to you about it? And he's like, no. I, you know, all these people go, no. God's never it's very easy to say no to God, even on a subconscious level. We're not even aware of it. Let him speak on anything. And say, I'll pay the, I'll pay the price. I'll, I'll, you know, be, I'll be aware of that. It's, it's the difference between being saved and being a true disciple, really. It's the difference between just, I'm just saved, but I'll do what I want to do. No, actually, I want to follow Jesus with absolutely everything, and I'll, and I'll do that. Um, right, okay. Moving past that, I, think, I do think, and this needs to be addressed, certainly, 
from the road to Emmaus is how do I know, how do I know how to distinguish God's voice? And, not, and it's not just my own thoughts. Because that would be a question if I was in your seats right, in, right now. Um, there's, a, there's a verse in John 10 where Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. And there's a whole tendency with this of like, we need to be aware of the difference between Jesus's voice and our own thoughts. And I've come across these in different ways at the moment, but a lot of the time, a lot of the time, that's wrong. All of the time, his voice will sound like it's come from his character. His voice will sound like it's come from his personality and from his word, okay? All of those, though, it will hold and it will ring true and it will resonate. So if we go into these, I just picked out a few, but there's a whole load of things now. So if you go to the first one, which is God is light, which is 1 John 1 verse 5. So this is, this is important. I'll get hold of these things here. God is light. So when he speaks, when he speaks, it will bring clarity into your hearts. Not confusion, but clarity. Things will come through and you'll go, that makes sense. Actually, it's like revelation. It's like, wow, I get that now. And it, and it cuts into your thoughts. It cuts across and you go, I never got that. Now I get it. There's a clarity to the way God speaks. Not a vagueness, not a confusion. You won't come away from it going, mm, I don't understand that. You will actually understand more. Is that making sense? Clarity. God is light. And that's really important. God is love, 1 John 4, verse 8. So when he speaks, it will be an encouraging way. It will build you up. It won't crush you. It will build you up. And that's important. If you're feeling crushed after thinking you've listened to God, then that's not God. He'll build you up as he speaks. It will edify you. He'll, everything about it will encourage you with an experience of God's love, um, with an experience of listening to him, rather. He's the prince of peace. So his words will breathe peace into your heart. An encounter listening to him is amazing because your fears will start to drop away and peace will start to really, really, really rise up. Think about it with Jesus when he spoke, peace, be still, into the storm. What happened with the storm? He stopped. What happens when he speaks to you? Into your storms, into your hearts, anything, just peace descends. This is what to expect as he speaks. Yes? That's how to understand. It's his will, it's his word, it's his character all the way through. The Lord is our shepherd. Psalm 23, you can get a lot out of that. His voice refreshes, his voice renews, his voice strengthens. His voice guides us into the right way of living our lives. Into seeing things the right way around. His, his voice fills you with a courage, actually, and a goodness. If you're listening to God, you are filled with more of a courage. That's, it's good. Honestly, you're not believing me, somebody, but it's true. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So when you are listening to him again and again, he will lift the heaviness off your shoulders and he will replace it with a complete and utter sense of his lightness, his ease, his wonderful, wonderful, wonderful sense of, well, just as it comes from his perspective. Jesus came in grace and truth. This is really important. 1 John, sorry, John 1, verse 17. His voice, this is the one thing as a pastor I've had to deal with more than anything else. His voice takes away all guilt, 
all shame, all condemnation. Grace, all guilt, all shame, all condemnation. When he speaks, if you feel guilty after you've, spoken, after you've been listening to God, then that's not God. Now, he will lead us into correction, truth. But it will come in such a way that it's filled with grace. Yes, I can do that. It will not crush. If it's vague, if it's woolly, if you're feeling condemned, at the end of it, if you have just got this general sense that I'm feeling guilty, but I'm not too sure why, then that's never Jesus. Jesus will speak with a clarity, and if he wants to put his finger on an area of your life, he will do. And you will feel inspired and empowered to move on beyond it. Yep, you will go, that's the future for me, and I want to do it. Because grace empowers. Grace takes us there. It inspires and it empowers us to live the right way around. Um, Romans 10 says, the voice of God fills us with faith. And that's always a good thing as well. So, um, coming in here. But as we tune into God's voice, as we hear his heart, it leads us outward. It always should lead us outward. It's not always about just me and him. It leads us onto the outside. And it leads us to those who don't know Jesus yet. It leads us to intentionally building community, which I'll continue to say. It leads us to make disciples. It leads us to transform our communities. It leads us to move on beyond these four walls and make a difference with our lives. So let God's voice guide your heart. Let God's voice change you from the inside out and impact the world around you, every single one of us. Yeah? Alpha's coming up. If you've got non-Christians that you know, this is how I would invite them. I'm going to Alpha this week, or I'm thinking of going to Alpha, if you're actually not at the moment. I would think, will, will you come with me? It's a much better invite than Alpha's on, do you want to go to it? Yeah? Because that's you sending them there and you're not coming with them. <laughs> All right? Alpha's on, will you come with me? Yeah? And that will really encourage people to go because you're already going to be there. You with me? It makes a difference. It makes a huge, huge difference to how people are with just relationship and with you. Okay, um, I'll just finish on this. As always, Jesus died so that our sins could be forgiven. He died that we could have relationship with him. He died so that we could come into an eternal and wonderful relationship and one that will bring a peace and a hope and a joy forever and ever. And I would like every single one of you to just bow your heads, please, because in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And you may find yourself in one of the following three categories. So I'll read these out now, and then if this is you, then we will go forward. If, the first one is, you don't know Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, you've never been a Christian, and you'd like to make this today, this day, the day you bring and start your relationship with him and then, play, play, and then pray the, uh, the prayer in a minute. The second category is that you used to walk with Jesus and you would like to reconnect with him today. The third one is that you're not sure of your salvation and you're not sure that at the end of your life you'll be going to heaven, that you desire that certainty, you desire the certainty that Jesus offers. Now, if you relate to any of those three, then I would 
like you to pray along with me now out of your own heart. So repeat those words out of your own heart about what I'm going to pray now. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. and rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me for all my wrongdoing. And receive me as your child. I commit my life to you now. Amen.